Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. A wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. And by Stone Bank, a community bank supporting entrepreneurs and farmers nationwide with loans guaranteed by the USDA, SBA, and Farm Services Agency. Learn more at StoneBank.com. And the Arkansas Arts Council, empowering the arts for the benefit of all Arkansans. On the web at ArkansasArts.org. <laughs> Greetings, folks. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, we'll feature the next generation of Ozark musicians, recorded live at the Ozark Folk Center State Park. Remarkably talented young performers who are keeping old-time music alive. In my weekly trip down to the vault, my buddy Mark Jones has found a recording of a young man who went on to be a professional musician. And author, folklorist, and songwriter Charlie Sandage gives us a glimpse into pioneer survival techniques and the proper use of a fro. All that this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. A defining characteristic of folk music is its translation from one generation to the next. Traditional songs and melodies travel not only across oceans, mountains, and cultures, but also through time as they're passed down. Each new generation of musicians leaves their mark on these cultural artifacts, and that's what we call the folk tradition. One mission of the Ozark Folk Center State Park is to keep old-time music alive by passing it on to younger generations. The park's Music Roots program in local public schools, in combination with performance opportunities at Ozark Highlands Theater, have provided a rich medium for propagating a steady stream of young traditional musicians. We're proud to offer this small sampling of the next generation of Ozark Originals. Let's start off with a band called Taller Than You, led by champion hammered dulcimer player Ben Hagwood. Members include old-time fiddle champion Kaylee Speaks, Kaylee's brother Chandler Speaks on guitar, Clawhammer banjo champion Grace Stormont, and Gresham McMillan filling out the low end on upright bass.
Uh, folks, I'm sure are going to wonder the name taller than you. Of course, we can look to you two here in the middle, and I'm going to guess somewhere around 6'3", six, both six, of you. 6'4", six, 6'3". Six, You're a liar. It's a, it's a constant six, battle between the two of you, yeah, isn't it? So the name came from, um, obviously, our heights, but we, the band got started uh, back in 2018 uh, during the Dulcimer Festival. Uh, I needed a guitar player for the ensemble contest that they have here, and Cindy Porterfield, who works here, said, I have the perfect person for you. And she took me down to the uh, craft grounds, and there was this very tall young lady, and she could play guitar pretty well. We didn't place that year, but that's, I how, remember that's, that. that's how it got started. I remember that's that. That's how it got started. I remember that year. Now, we should also say Grisham, Kaylee, and Grace, all of you are here in Arkansas and Stone County, surrounding areas. Ben, you're in uh, the St. Louis area. Yeah, Mineral Point, Missouri. It's about an hour south of St. Louis. Just a little town. So let me ask you guys collectively and chime in as you'd like. Tell me about your first impressions uh, of Ben uh, when you first met him and knowing he was coming down here 
just to be here to play music here in Stone County. Well, I can speak for everyone who's obviously very handsome, <laughs> very witty, very... Great. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, I was very intimidated, for one. You're like a giant, Ben. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. But you also seemed older than you were. You seem like you have an old soul, but I resonate with that, as I, too, have an old soul. <laughs> so... Kelly, tell me about uh, that experience playing. I remember the contest when you guys backed each other up or, or you performed with them. What was your initial impression of Ben? There's somebody as tall as me. <laughs> I was really happy about that. But we were practicing. I was like, well, I've never seen one of these instruments except for Mr. Joe Jewell playing it. And I thought it was pretty neat. It was fun to play with. Yeah, yeah. Having a hammered dulcimer as a lead instrument in a group is, and maybe not the lead instrument, but maybe we should say the featured instrument, yeah, for, yeah. for lack of a better term. That's unusual. Uh, normally, 
you've got a hammer dulcimer maybe as a solo or as a, a duo or maybe a trio, but in a large band setting like this, is it a little bit different, Ben? It is. Um, I usually play by myself when I'm not here, but it's a lot more fun to play with other people. When I'm by myself, I usually play like a classical song or something, something slow and pretty, but like you said, it's really high energy with this group and it's really easy to get into it because um, the fiddle pushes me and if I have a really nice drivey rhythm, it just... I think it gives the dulcimer a different feeling. You you can play a fiddle tune slowly, like kind of like medium speed, and it's not fun. But if you play like really high energy, it's like one of my favorite things to do. question about growing up here and being around it all the time it's just been wonderful and the whole history aspect of everything really draws me into because I'm into a uh, heritage and things like that and so it's been cool to grow up around people who want to you know what's the word carry that on sure carry that <laughs> on <laughs> you can edit this right yeah. <laughs> okay uh, and now you're not from Stone County or Mountain View per se, you sort of no. moved here in part because of the music, correct? Yes, because uh, when I was about 12, 13, I started playing uh, guitar. And then I heard about the Folk Center and I heard that they let kids play here. And uh, so I was like, I'm gonna go get a job. Yeah, mom, can we go? Yeah, yeah, and she's been very supportive. So she moved us up here and we were supposed to stay for about three months. That's and turned then, into three years. And yeah, five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
That was Next Generation Old Time String Band, Taller Than You, recorded at a live show in Mountain View, Arkansas. The kids started that set with Seneca Square Dance, followed by Angeline the Baker, which was written in 1850 by Stephen Foster, the Westphalia Waltz, a medley of Step Around Johnny and Sarah Armstrong, and they finished with I Ain't Going Down to the River with You. We're going to take a short break now, and when we come back, let's head down to the vault for a visit with the imperturbable Mark Jones. This is Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. It's come to that time in our show where we go down into the vault and visit our friend Mark Jones down there who keeps all of our recordings from the last 40 years. Let's let's go down and see what Mark's got for us today. Hi there, Dave. How are you? Hey, Mark. I'm doing good. What are you doing down here today? Oh, just a little tired this morning. I was up all night last night. What were you doing? Oh, just thinking about things. <laughs> and that's that's hard enough for me. Yeah, I try to keep away from that thinking business. It'll get you in trouble. You got any music for us today? I do. I run across an old buddy of mine, Greg Moody. And some of the recordings that he did when he was about, oh, eight-year-old, something like that, when the Folk Center had just opened up. And it's amazing. His mom and dad played instruments, and uh, his dad was Roger Moody, and his mom was Mona Fay. I remember them very well. Roger had a uh, music store here in Mountain View for a while and uh, did pretty well with it. And as I recall, Greg is still playing music. Isn't he up at Branson now? Yes, Dave, he sure is, and he's just working himself to death. He does... Three to four shows a day, all at different places, and fights traffic in between each place. Now, I know he's a really good mandolin player, but he probably plays other instruments as well, doesn't he? He does. He plays uh, pedal steel, and like he may play pedal steel at one show and then go the next show and play guitar. And it's just, uh, it's amazing where his talent and his career has gone. He left Mountain View. Uh, every once in a while, he'll come back down and visit with us during the tribute for my dad. That's right. That'd be the Grandpa Jones tribute, huh? That's right. Greg comes in. If he can get away for two or three days in a row, he'll come down and pick with us. And it's always fun. What song have you got for us this week? You know, this recording, he was playing mandolin, and he was just getting his singing together, 
and it's called Going Down That Road Feeling Bad. Thank you. Well, that's a great song. How old do you think Greg was when he sang that song? He's probably eight, nine year old, something like that. Oh, that's pretty good for a young man like that to be singing that well. That's true. He's a great fella and proud to call him a friend. Well, if we get up to Branson, we'll have to look for him up there, huh? You bet. Yeah, I bet you'll find him somewhere. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mark. Hey, we'll see you next week, okay? All right, Dave. Thank you. Let's continue on now with more music from terrific young musicians who appear regularly on our stage. Up-and-coming Ozark original bluegrass band Southern Strings straddles the line between traditional and modern. This bluegrass quintet can old-time with the best of them while bridging their unique modern acoustic sound to tunes from a variety of genres. The band is made up of Sophia Wright on guitar, award-winning fiddler and vocalist Mary Parker, and world champion clawhammer banjoist Lillianne McCool showing her mastery of the three-finger Scruggs banjo style. Mandolinist Isaac McCutcheon rounds out the rhythm and style with his soulful voice, and Luke Nentrup brings it all together with his vocals and versatility on upright bass. Never would have gone to that side of town if it hadn't been for love. Never would have took a mind to track her down If it hadn't been for love I never would have loaded up a 44 And put myself behind a jailhouse door If it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for love
talk to Birmingham if it hadn't been for love. I never would have caught a train to Louisiana if it hadn't been for love. I never would have loaded up a 44 and put myself behind a jailhouse door if it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for love. If it hadn't been. If it hadn't been for love. Uh, I'm just going to, I have no idea how you guys met, but I'm just going to take a stab and say maybe it was at like IBMA or something. Was that right? Really, just festivals around yeah, the area. Just uh, festivals. Yeah, since I was a kid, I was going to bluegrass festivals and I, uh, get with the people that were my age, I guess. And um, a couple of years back, I kind of had a whim that I wanted to start, or I wanted to try to do the Youth in Bluegrass contest at Silver Dollar City. So I was like, well, I know that little girl in Mountain View, Arkansas, who's really, really good. And I don't even know if she'd play with me, but I'm going to ask her anyway. So <laughs> I called her and she said, of course. And so then I was like, well, my goodness, we may just actually have a band and we just... I gathered them up one by one, hand plucked them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, okay, yeah. so you were sort of the producer of yes, Southern yes. Strings. Okay, I didn't uh, realize yes. that. Yeah. 
So Luke, tell me about uh, the music scene in Springfield um, as compared to some of the other places I guess you go with the band. Is there a lot of bluegrass up there? It seems to be I a mean, little bit more of a progressive yeah, city. There's there's some bluegrass up there, but I mean, compared to like around here and stuff, it's definitely not like here. It's a lot of more of a, like you're saying, progressive and kind of, there's like kind of like a, I don't know if you'd say like a, like, how would you say it? Like, hipster scene, sure. like, in Springfield. I know what you mean, yes. So, yeah, that's, that's We how find ourselves traveling over here to play music yeah. more so than <laughs> yeah. y'all are going to travel over there. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Definitely. So, in, in essence, you sort of had uh, to come down to Arkansas and Mountain View to find more like-minded musicians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boards on the window, mail by the door. What would anybody leave so quickly for? Ophelia, honey, where have you gone? This whole neighborhood just ain't the same. I don't know what became of Ophelia. Honey, darken my door. Was it something that somebody said? Tell me about uh, playing with these guys. Now, you're in probably four or five different bands, I would guess, right now. Right? Is that right? <laughs> Somewhere around yeah. there. Yes, sir. Uh, so what's a little bit unique or different about Southern Strings than some of the other groups you're with? Well, uh, for one, they're all young. <laughs> Most of the others, I mean, they're, they're up there. but <laughs> Well, no, that's true. A lot yeah. of the groups you play in are old, have yeah, older folks. Yeah, but this is more in my age range, which, which they're a blast to play with. We have fun besides from the music scene, which I very much enjoy. 
Yeah, and it's probably, as you say, more fun. It's easier to relate. You're a little more relaxed, and you can joke and stuff with kids your age or people your age rather than uh, sometimes the old-timers you play with where you're probably a little bit more reserved, right? I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess her sense of humor flies around here. Yeah. Folks, that was a bunch of youngsters playing that music. That was Southern Strings playing If It Hadn't Been For Love, Carolina in the Pines, Robbie Robertson's song, Ophelia, and the Doobie Brothers' Listen to the Music. It's time for another short break. When we come back, it'll be time for guest host Charlie Sandage to bring us up to date 
on Ozark survival techniques. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. Our friend Charlie Sandage has been studying Ozark ways for a long time. This week, Charlie gives us a glimpse into pioneer survival techniques and the proper use of a fro. Here's Charlie. It only takes a few lines and a page to say that a family found a place along the frontier where they could settle and then set to work clearing land, building a cabin and a barn, and creating a subsistence farm. We could read those lines and hardly think at all about what had to be done step by step, skill by skill, tool by tool, and hour by hour, under pressure to get the family sheltered before winter, get seeds into garden plots by early spring, all that, and dozens of other absolutely essential things while managing to feed themselves on what could be hunted or gathered or made to last from provisions they brought with them. And what could this family have brought with them? A barrel of flour? Some cured meat? Certainly at least one rifle, probably more than one, along with shot and powder to kill game for meat. For putting a roof over their heads, an axe or two, a crosscut saw, and, are you ready for this? They would have brought a fro. That's F-R-O-E, fro. What on earth, you may ask, is a fro? To get to the bottom of that one, I visited with Robert Gillahan. Robert has been part of the Ozark Folk Center family since it began in 1973 as a musician and in different roles as craft person and interpreter. Uh, at one time, I guess I was pretty good at it. I split a lot of shingles. I, I worked at the Ozark Folk Center uh, and split, splitting shingles in the fall uh, with an old friend of mine, I, Pop Ramsey. He was the guy, <laughs> and he was a character, too. But I would split the shingles. He did all the talking. He said, don't even ask that guy. He don't know anyway. Clue number one, splitting shingles. The fro must have had something to do with that, with literally putting a roof over the family's head. The fro itself is the, is the metal part, the blade part, right? Well, the whole thing, actually. The whole thing is fro. This but, is just the fro blade and the fro handle. The blade and the handle. Yeah. All right. So the handle is about a foot long. Yeah, 14 it, inches or so. And it's round. I suspect yeah. that uh, 98% of those that ever existed was made by hand. Oh, yeah, I made this one. And so you, you basically just find you a limb or a... Well, you get a, a, you a, get a solid block of wood and split it out and, and trim it down. Trim it down. Yeah, okay. towards... A limb would be too weak. Oh, I see. So you, you get down to the heartwood yeah. is the best. Um, 
or a good good size piece anyway. Yeah. And then and do that. Okay. So the uh, the blade itself. Did you say it's about fourteen inches long? Mm -hmm. This one is, yeah. Yeah, and uh, about two inches uh, width of it. Mm -hmm. And then about half inch thick. About a half the top, inch thick. And then it narrows down to a to a blade. Okay. And the blade so is what splits through. So to visualize this, if somebody hasn't ever seen one, I'm thinking this way. Everybody's seen a hatchet. So if you think of a hatchet. Uh, you've got a handle with a cutting blade on it. Mm -hmm. But what's different about this is, in the first place, you're going to hold it upside down. Uh -huh. So you're, you're holding the handle, uh, and the blade is at the bottom, uh -huh. and the cutting edge is at the bottom of the blade. Yeah. And the reason for that, explain the reason for that. Well, that's that's for when you when you lay it on your block of wood to split your shingle, yeah. your your cutting edge is on the piece of wood, yeah. and you drive it with your handle from the thicker side into the block of wood, yeah. and it goes into it. Yeah. Now, the fact that the blade is is narrower at the bottom and slopes up wider at the top will start it splitting right off the get go. Okay, as now, soon as you get it in there. Now you're using. To uh, to drive it, you're using a you call it a maul. Yeah, or mallet. Mallet. Maul is a bigger piece. Oh, that usually right. used like a uh, hammer. Uh, it, it's just bigger. Okay. But this is a mallet. But you just knock knock against it with your mallet, knock it down into it, and then you take a hold of it. And you pry with this throw handle, because that's why it sticks up. You pry, and you hear this wood splitting. There it goes. And you got two pieces right there now. When I asked Robert how long it would take to make enough shingles for that first cabin for our family, his estimate was around four or five days. That comes only after logs were selected and cut down, the bark peeled off with a broad axe, possibly squared off on two sides with the foot adds. Hmm. Foot ads. Oh well, later for that. Logs wrestled into place, caulked with a mud and grass mixture, rafters created and erected. You get the idea. That would produce a single room, maybe 12 by 16 feet, a single pen structure, it was called, with at least to start a dirt floor. You're beginning to get the picture about what was involved in that phrase in those few lines on a page that said, They built a cabin. Robert and I went on to some finer points. Tell me again the difference between a shake and a shingle. Well, a shake is literally actually hand split. And, and they have, all, like I was saying earlier, they have the, the rivulets or ridges down the length of the shake because it, it's hand split and, and the wood's pulled apart. There's these pieces that where the, when the rain hits it, it'll run straight down the shingle and off the roof. And then a shingle is more, would have been more of a hand sawn with a shingle saw, and they had them later on. And a lot of shingles were made like that. The, the wood shingles you get now, more of them than not are, are sawn. What kind of wood is best for making shakes? 
if you're in a big grove of cedars, that's what you'd use if you had plenty of cedars on your place and that they were nice size and such. And cedars actually split easier anyway. But um, and do it, they do they tend to last longer or is there a difference? Yeah, they probably would last longer because cedar doesn't rot as much as other woods. White oak or red oak will will rot over about a 20, 20 year period. Most of these people didn't care. They just wanted to roof on their house quick. And whatever they had that they could use, that's what they used. So if you had a stand of white oak, that's what you use. If you had a stand of red oak, yep, that's what red oak. I well, think you were saying that red was kind of a preferred. Yeah, red oak splits easier and you can make a lot more shingles quicker. And what about chanking those logs in? A lot of the people, early people, they, they didn't, I mean, you didn't have any cement then. And what they would do is they'd make mud cats. They'd take mud and mix it all up and take grass and chop it up and, and mix that with it. And that gave it substantial, uh, a little substance to hold together. And then you'd take those mud cats and roll them into a little roll and stuff it into the crack in between the, the logs. My dad talked about he'd, he would take, and, and other people I've heard this too, they'd take all these pieces left over, these little little chunks you got left over, and stuff, stuff them in between the, the, the uh, logs of your cabin, and then that would, that would take up a lot of the space. You wouldn't have to fill the whole thing with mud. And then you can go in the inside and fill it with, with mud as well. A thousand things you needed to know before taking your family into an unsettled land to create a new home. Failing on any one of them could be disastrous. It was no task for anyone not strong of heart or of mind. Images, including some of a fro, can be found on the Facebook pages of Ozark Highlands Radio and of Ozark Folk Center State Park. Thanks, Charlie. Before the last break, we heard from the bluegrass group Southern Strings, which includes the extraordinary banjo player Lillianne McCool playing a bluegrass style. Now we'll hear her play a much older and entirely different style on the banjo called Clawhammer or Frailing. This is Lillianne's winning performance at the 2019 Old Time Clawhammer Banjo Contest held during Grandpa Jones Tribute Weekend at the Ozark Folk Center State Park.
Arkansas State old-time banjo champion Lillian McCool playing a tune called Garfield's Blackberry Blossom. We'll close this week's show with a rare performance by a young lady who lives not too far from here in Oxley, Arkansas. This is Carolina Mendoza singing Danny Boy.
This brings us to the end of this week's show. For those of us who love old-time music, it's great to know that there's a whole new generation of young people who will keep it alive and hopefully pass it on through the ages. This is your host, Dave Smith. I'll see you next week. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from Arkansas State Parks, a division of the Arkansas Department of Parks, Heritage, and Tourism, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com. The Committee of 100 proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. And by Stone Bank with roots in Mountain View, Arkansas. Stone Bank is a proud supporter of heritage musicians and small towns across America with government-guaranteed loans for farmers, entrepreneurs, and communities. More information available at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.